Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 643. Science Faction, the first show of 2023. So, uh, did you get to sleep at a decent hour writing that title? I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that you, like you got to sleep around four, you know, because like you were stressing <laughs> over the title. Oh, and speaking of the guy who stresses about everything, I of course am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me is the guy who has never stressed anything, none other than our comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how you doing this stress-free afternoon? That is right, because people in poverty experience no stress in this society. <laughs> <laughs> just nothing, just nothing but uh, hanging out in a hammock and sipping uh, drinks that have an umbrella in them. Well, I got great news for you. If you're worried about uh, paying for stuff, right now you and I have at least some free water because it is quite rainy. For those of you guys who are listening and wondering what that background noise is, like, hey, what's going on? Do you start uh, recording this show with like, like over a freeway overpass? We just happen to be experiencing one of the seven days of annual rain we get here every year in San Diego, and, and it actually is quite a bit. So if you hear that in the background, my apologies. Can't really take that out. Um, you're not going to hear it because ha- Bobby, have some faith in your equipment. The Yeti mic is a powerful machine that uh, you won't even hear it. We will make a gentleman's bet about the editing room. You are a knight. Have faith in your sword. You are a podcaster. Have faith in your Yeti mic. Uh, well, we know who Big Yeti has gotten to. That's for sure. Yeah, they uh, they gave me a special deal. I got I got to uh, support them more by paying double for my mic. So. <laughs> Uh, and if you want to support us more, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon. We have a few more Patreons to do shoutouts to. Uh, that'll come a little bit later on. Uh, I know we, we still have a few more from last year. Uh, but we just have a lot to get to this year with the, the kicking off of 2023 and catching up on, you know, two weeks of back science since we had our, our best of 2022 episodes. So uh, I don't think we have much more to do. Let's get right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Article number one, we've been creeping for a while. Well, I mean, yeah, I drive by your house, you know, late at night just to see who's there. And yeah, I'll I'll call you or I'll call your line and just not say anything. Yeah, heavy breathing usually. Even though my phone is clearly identified on your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, your your calling tactics from 1983 don't exactly work nowadays, but it just says Damien and your picture comes up. Oh, that damn newfangled Star 69. Oh. Uh, dear. So, uh, very, very interesting story that came out. Part of it is interesting because of what they found. Part of it, to be honest, is interesting because of the techniques they used to do it. But by looking at certain genetic mutations, which researchers were able to correlate with age of birth, meaning if you have X number of mutations, we can estimate that your father was X number of years old when he had you. And for a separate set of genes, if you have X number of mutations, we could estimate your mother was X number of years old when she had you and go back in time and see, you know, how old people were. Now, we, we've had versions of this before, but they were essentially looking at the genetics 
changes that happened in a single generation. So it wasn't looking at, you know, the age of your mother and the age of your father. It was like kind of like a weird average combined age. This actually separates it out so that in looking at the amount of mutations across a population, you can say what the average age of the parent is when that individual was born. And by doing that and compiling a bunch of that data, you can actually estimate the ages of parentages, the average age of being a parent, across, you know, like time and across space and figure out how old on average people were when they were having kids throughout the history of humanity, which is itself a super interesting genetic thing. Like that is just really, really neat. I'll, I'll read you a really, really quick quote from the uh, from the article. Wang and their co-authors built a model that uses de novo mutations, a genetic alteration that's present for the first time in one family member as a result of a variant or a mutation in a germ cell of one of the parents or that arises in the fertilized egg during early embryogenesis to separately estimate the male and female generational times at many different points throughout the past 250,000 years. Basically, by looking at genetic profiles of individuals throughout that time span, they are able to tell how old their parents are and average ages of the individuals of the human population across that whole time, which is super interesting. So first off, super interesting discovery just in how to do the actual work before you even get any of the data. Okay, so so you're you're now about to delve into the technique. Is that what you're saying? That was used, or no, that, that was that's the technique? That was the technique. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, a quick question, Bobby. Uh, we live in a society uh, in this in this era of uh, this first world country uh, where women give birth much later than uh, the, I believe the term sure. is, yes. that's now common is geriatric pregnancy. Sure. That's if you're 35 or older. Yes, yes. And that's very common now. Yeah. Um, you're saying there's more mutations associated with having uh, a child later on in life. Yep. And we know that mutations are, you know, not all mutations are good, but that's how your species moves forward. You know, that's you got to gamble, you know, uh, to see what's what's hot and what's not what gets selected for. You know, you got to have those mutations. If you Are you asking if you should start banging older broads in order to create a cyclops, so to speak? First off, I'll never ask for your permission to bang hot MILFs in my area, Bobby. They're constantly, <laughs> according to the internet ads, they, they're in very high demand and they want me to call them right now. So <laughs> I've read that about them. <laughs> Super horny MILFs. Just all, and, and, and like, in, how lucky in my area. Yeah, I, I, I was always wondering if like somewhere when some guy's watching porn, an ad pops up and there's like, there's super horny MILFs approximately 300 miles to the east. Are you willing to drive? I'm willing to move. I'm willing to relocate. <laughs> that's that's how, how that horny MILFs in my area, that that's uh, that's like the California gold rush. You know, like, like I'll, I'll uproot my whole life, man. That's why if it was the MILF rush instead of the gold rush, <laughs> the San Francisco team would be named the 69ers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, anyhow, if that's what happens, mutations, are we in this society now that we've created now where women are, we have the technology for women to reliably have birth uh, after 35 uh, and before menopause, presumably, (laughs) is this the path towards the uh, uh, superpowers, X-Men, or just, just, although the, or are we just pushing this, you know, take superheroes out of it. We're just pushing the species forward at an accelerated rate. We're hitting fast forward on the evolution button. 
Well, it's a little bit of that, uh, but not at all. Huh. Most of these are non-counting huh. regions. <laughs> we're just seeing, we're just seeing using this almost like we would a molecular clock, and we're able to to kind of count this up. Now, you brought up something really important, which is one of the major findings, which is incredibly unsurprising, is that maternal age has increased. Now. Damien, I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the average age of parentage? Now, I want you to consider this. This isn't saying when is the average age that a person had their first kid. This would be the average age of parentage because you're looking at all individuals that those kids had, that those parents had, and then averaging the age of their parents. So now I think I had a kid at 34 and 38 or something like that. So my average age of parentage would be 36. It wouldn't be like 34 because that's when I had my first kid. So so keeping that in mind, what do you think those numbers would be for males and females? Oh, for males and females. Females, I'm going to guess 38. And for males, I'm going to guess 41. Okay, so those are insane numbers. Uh, and let's talk wait, about wait, wait, why. Wait, wait, wait. The, so, my numbers or the real numbers? Yes! No, your numbers are absolutely insane and nonsense. Dude, there are hot MILFs in my area. They're all on birth control, okay? It's really affecting my numbers. Okay, so just just to give an example of why that's insane, just imagine the last 250,000 years of history. If your average female age of birth is 38, that means that for every time a woman has a baby at 18, in order to make an average age of 38, another woman or that same woman must also have a baby at 58. Now, do you think there are more people having babies at 18 or 58 in the last 250,000 years? I was making my prediction off the New York real estate market in order to have <laughs> built enough up enough wealth to, uh, you got to be between, uh, uh, I'm guessing, average age 38. Now, if this is like today, I'm just saying, I know a lot of people who have geriatric pregnancies sure, up, we're until up until their 40s. And yes, a lot of people still bone and have babies at 20 or 18 or 14. Do you think there's an equal number of people having babies at 18 and 58 in the last 250,000 years? Oh, we're saying, oh, for 250,000 years. I thought there's a snapshot of today. Uh, my apologies. Uh, if we're, oh, if, it, if it's like well, back when, like, uh, when, like, you were marrying off 13 year olds, uh, yeah, uh, okay, uh, my number for males is going to be 17, and my number for uh, ladies is going to be 16. Okay, also off, but closer. So what they were able to find is that throughout most of history, eliminating the modern day, the average age for women was 23.2 years old, which makes sense because uh, motherhood mortality during birth is so high, you actually cleave off sometimes a lot of the end births because you will, you know, end up, a mother will end up passing uh, earlier than that. So that, that makes sense. The average male age is shockingly high. It's 30.7 years old. 30.7. Now, obviously, males can continue having babies their entire life, so it totally isn't unrealistic for a 68-year-old to, you know, father children, or 58-year-old to father children, you know, for the past 250,000 years. That's that's not an unreasonable thing, so you can understand. But that age gap difference is substantial. Seven years is substantial. Now, why do you think that is, Damien? Uh, I'm going to guess it's because uh, men kind of come into their own, uh, like in their late 20s after their brain is fully developed. And perhaps that's when they have the uh, um, the desirability from women, uh, you know, as well as, I guess, the desire to stay and raise them. Hmm. Like maybe a 21-year-old guy's like, dude, we're, they're all hunting mammoth. The boys are hunting mammoth right now. I can't stick around. I got to go. Well, okay, so mammoth hunting uh, wanderlust is your your main 
uh, idea. Listen, I, I I have a mammoth hunting scholarship. I can't fuck this up with a baby, okay? <laughs> I could go pro. If you go to the mammoth hunting pros, you better believe that kid is getting supported. <laughs> I want all the tusks. All of them. But my mammoth skin condom had a hole poked in it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Well, there, there's there's a bunch of interesting ones. By the way, the the maternal average age has gone up past a couple thousand years from that twenty three point two to an average of about twenty six point four. So so fairly substantial. Still nowhere near men. Men are still dramatically higher. The difference between men and women is still more like the current difference between average age of men and women having children is still greater than the difference in average age of women having children 10,000 years ago and women now, if that tells you anything. Because that difference between women 10,000 years ago and women now is only 23.2 to 26.4, whereas men have stayed above 30 years old the whole time. Listen, as as somebody with a rockin' salt and pepper um, uh, <laughs> color shade going... Uh, I think that's yeah. the reason. Like, uh, you just as soon as you get like a little gray in your hair, and you get that dad bod, that that's just something biological turns on. <laughs> yeah, and and there might be some biological. There are some biological kind of limitations to this. Like we said, men can have ki- kids way way later, so their average is always going to be higher. Because if you can accidentally pop one out at sixty two every once in a while, even in the Neolithic era, that's going to happen, and you're going to you know extend that average much higher. So that is obviously a biological thing. If we think of culturally, especially in smaller hunter gatherer type groups, uh, where we've even in in smaller agricultural groups, we are looking at a situation where you know women. Start Start giving birth in their early teens, and that is pretty, you know, universal throughout much of those societies. And a 13 to 14 year old uh, young boy just can't take care of a family; it can't su- support that. And so, the if you're having kids at 12 or 13 or 14, those girls they have to, by necessity, be married off to older men, not the ones that are 13 or 14 or their own age. It also plays into something we have talked about on this show, we talked about a few times, which is that you are at a huge Darwinian advantage as a female of our species as opposed to a male. So almost all females in humankind reproduce. Those that can, do. There are obviously some that are infertile. That is uh, an outlier. In general, over the history of time, it's actually a minority of males that reproduce. Depending on when you measure it, some to most males throughout any given society will not pass their genes on. They're going to be a fucking dead end. They're an unsuccessful Darwinian uh, experiment. Whereas almost all women I wouldn't say I'm an unsuccessful Darwinian experiment, Bobby. I just wandered into a bear trap on the the wrong part of my body. All right? It was an innocent (laughs) mistake. And yes, it has cost me. To be fair, you yourself were, because you were around in pre-industrial England, just running around, hanging on (laughs) out on oak trees, doing your thing. Then all of a sudden, all this soot started getting put into the air, and your your mestizo skin allowed you to blend into the trees better than the pastier, (laughs) waspier uh, gentlemen who were walking around at that time. And so you were able to survive. Yeah. Keep in mind, Bobby is like a uh, blonde-haired white guy. The difference of whiteness between Bobby and I, like the shades, is like indistinguishable. It's like when somebody goes, oh, that's Navajo white neck shell. Like, what the yes. fuck are you talking about? Yeah. 
but because of that, because less males reproduce, that means that for any given 50-50 gender ratio, you're going to have to have one man uh, having children with multiple women. And the man that can do that is rarely a 13-year-old boy just asserting his dominance on the tribe, right? That is somebody who is established, who has a power structure, who has figured stuff. Like, there is not Paleolithic Richie Rich going out there with his harem of women. Or one very lucky 13-year-old guy who's the envy of all the other 13-year-olds in the tribe. Just like that lucky <laughs> son of a That's bitch. Right. I would trade my left testicle to be to switch places with Ugg. Oh, that lucky. There are some interesting philosophy questions that kind of arise with this. So, like, our species has very clearly throughout history and time evolved to be in a, you know, parentage ratio of seven years or so average difference. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's always, you know, one guy and one woman, he's always older. There could be a lot of reasons for this, a lot of different things going on. But basically what we're seeing is a substantial difference in mating pairs throughout human history. So does that indicate that, like, that's the way it should be? Mating pairs was the official citation uh, and reason why I'm not allowed to go to the grocer anymore. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, you did. You were like, I know how to make more pairs. I'll just have this pair <laughs> fuck this pair, and it just ended up with both pairs up your ass yeah. in the middle of the produce aisle. <laughs> listen, he, this pair isn't even doing it right. Fine, I'll do it. Listen, listen, sir, you're going to have a lot of questions. Let me just tell you, I was trying to make you more pairs, which is good for you, so I don't know why you're pissed. Second of all, sometimes pairs don't want to do it on their own, and you got to turn them on, and that involves you getting involved with each of the pairs, and that's what you walked in on on this unfortunate <laughs> Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I know you're just a minimum wage employee, and this is not what you signed on for. So you could just turn the other way and go. You're, this isn't worth your time, sir. Uh, and also, am I the only one who loves a pear-shaped body? Oh, I am? <laughs> I, I am the only one. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but so it, give, it gives an interesting thing. Like, I mean, that is the way humans have clearly been for, you know, 200. Or the, the history of our species has been emphasized by parentages of older males and younger females, you know, getting together to create offspring. So, like, have we gone away from our roots? Is it a bad thing that we are technically a more age-adjusted society in modern times? I mean, but are we, though? I, I, I'd like to see what the age difference between, you know, people now. On average, you're... Now, Bobby, well, I, I mean, we on average... We already talked about it. We went, it, went from, it went from women being 23.2 for an average age birth up to 26. Nine uh, for average age birth, and men have stayed s basically similar to the same. I'm just saying that uh, throughout history, from from uh, from uh, even our middle school, go to high school, you know, like like uh, women mature faster. They, uh, I, I I always feel like you know there's there is an age discrepancy. Is it as grand as it was uh, in uh, you know a thousand years ago? No, but I mean, I would wager that it is much more common to have a husband a few years older than his wife. Sure, not, but not what in I'm all saying, cases, obviously. Yeah, but what I'm saying is we have clearly reduced that age difference gap, right? Correct, that it correct. is no longer what it was before. Are we doing something wrong? 
are we going against kind of the biological heritage of our species and what we have evolved to do by trying to match those ages closer together as opposed to having that differentiation there? I have a question for you, Bobby. What if what if nothing has changed? The averages ha- are just different now because more young men are hooking up with hot milfs in their area, uh-huh. and that yes. and that and 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 all those predominance of up. men hooking up with older women is skewing things different. It's throwing off the average. I mean, based on the reports of how many are just in our area, because you're getting these reports, I'm getting these reports. (laughs) Extrapolate that. We can't be the only two. Yeah. I don't know, David. You might be onto something. (laughs) (laughs) If any of our fans have hot milfs in their area who want to meet them, please reach out to us. We could use, we're plotting data points on a map just with your location. And also, we might want to dip into that milf pool. If it's if it's a good one, I'm gonna go ahead and apologize to the two <laughs> groups of people who don't understand the jokes that we're making right now. So I'm gonna if you don't get our reference to the the postings of hot milfs ready to have sex in your area, I apologize wholeheartedly <laughs> to the people who who can legitimately claim they don't know what we are talking about. Which is uh, I'd like to apologize to both women. Uh, and liars, because you're one or the other if you're telling me you don't know what I mean. <laughs> and if you're a woman, don't, uh, and obviously the type of woman who um, stigmatizes pornography, maybe don't. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of flavors. There's a flavor for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about this because this is an, an issue that came up with this discovery. And, and to me, it's always been a pretty easy one, which is that an is is not an ought, right? Like, The fact that something has been that way for hundreds of thousands of years does not make it morally right. And there are moral issues with marrying, you know, a 25-year-old to a 15-year-old. And I think those moral issues trump whatever biological gear that's in. Because clearly there's... It'd be one thing if that's the only way to reproduce the species, and you absolutely have to. That's part of human biology. But even if we were to find that human beings are optimized to be having a kid at 16 uh, for a female and, you know, like 25 for a man, just because it's optimized doesn't mean it's necessary. And clearly the downsides outweigh whatever biological good you have, because it's not enough of a biological good to for us to see any real differences between kids who are born of that union and of ki- and kids who are born of parents who are closer together. And so, like, whenever I see these, I always see that kind of pushback that you'll see people online. Well, hey, look, if this is the way it's been, why are we pushing against nature? And it's like, because sometimes nature's wrong. Nature tells us to rape things. Nature tells you to kill your fucking... Like, just because something is natural or we've been doing it for a long time does not give you an insight into the moral levels that you are going through in order to perform that thing. Like, for 100,000 years, easy, or more than that, the impetus for a lot of men, especially with high testosterone and and outgroup aversions and stuff like that, was to see a group across the hill, wipe out all the men, steal all the women, and bring them back to your place, right? And that was would mean you would be more likely to survive. Your genes would be more likely to survive. And many people who did that got their genes passed on doing those horrible acts. That does not mean that, like in a Darwinian sense, successful for those people. That does not mean that that is what we should then do just because our ancestors did and they were successful because they did it. 
Plus, I don't know about you, but like, like when they would say like, uh, like growing up out there, you know, all these things, they're like, yeah, we have barely legal. And they'd say like all these shows and movies that'd be like, yeah, I love 18, 19 year old, which is insane to me because now that I'm like in my thirties, the last thing I want is to be with somebody who makes me feel old. One, two is always trying to show me TikTok videos. And yes. three, like I can't have a fucking conversation with, like they don't think I'm Absolutely. funny. I'm the old creepy dude. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's like all the things that religion got wrong. Like, what do we want in a woman? We want her to be uh, like young, virgin, innocent, not experienced. It's like, man, if my wife and I broke up, I would not even look at a Tinder profile of anyone like under the age of 41. That's way, I'm going to go 10 years older than me and you got to show me a slutty resume. Like, I got to know that you have a past Mm -hmm. that like, if I could be a fly on the wall through one of your sexual experiences, I would look at that and be like, I have watched three cumulative years of pornography and I've never seen that before. Like that, that is what I want. Yes, I, I, I kid you not. If, if I got a divorce, I have a lovely marriage with my wife, but if I got divorced tomorrow or widowed tomorrow and we were joking about hot milfs in your area, listen, I would fucking relocate to a place where there were hot milfs in my area. For real. Not, not, like, yes. not, like, not like some some Shangri-La fantasy that is pitched to me through no. the internet. Some Xanadu. No, I, I would, if there was like, like, hey, I hear Atlanta is actually has a really good like like uh, woman to male ratio, which means that there's going to be statistically more milfs in that area, I'll move to Atlanta in a fucking second, okay? I'll deal with the humidity, and I say that as a sweater. <laughs> yeah, like, I want I want a woman who is both, like, sexually experienced and old enough to remember the heyday of Cowboys football. I want, I want that perfect intersection. <laughs> and maybe that's why uh, uh, women like older men, too, is because they like, they, like, they like somebody who's not fumbling around. Did you come? Getting asked that, <laughs> did, you, did you did you come? This is a very interesting story. It's incredibly interesting how they did it. It's interesting that they found it out. It may be that our species is, you know, biologically geared for that age difference. But the bottom line is whatever you see reading from is to ought is probably not well supported. And also, you know, look, this isn't a necessary thing. And the fact that this has changed over the last couple thousand years is a good thing. And hopefully it keeps changing. And hopefully that never becomes an issue where we start thinking that because something has a long biological history and maybe even a biological and cultural reasoning and basis, that we need to continue it in light of modern moral thoughts that show us what we are doing harms people. Dying during childbirth is very natural. Should yes. we bring that back? Totally, totally. Yeah, dying from small bacterial infections. (laughs) Oh, dear. All right, on article number two, we were right, and now people are pissed. That's that is literally how I pitched this podcast on on awful neutral. The other one, I was like, oh yeah, and check out science faction. We're basically right about everything. Uh, we've been go check our history. Feel free to prove me wrong. And if you if you kind of like just also want to be right about stuff and laugh about it, check out science faction. We have a track record. I say that with humility. I I wish we were wrong. I wish we were wrong. And, th- and we are. We're we're wrong sometimes. Like it happens. It's just like every once in a while we are really far ahead of the curve. I remember telling in COVID when COVID first was like an idea I think before it even hit you know the United States I was talking to the other podcast that I filmed in our studio the degenerates as I was in the studio and and they were like so what's all this stuff this COVID stuff coming in and like seems like people are really getting up in arms about it and I was like 
I, I don't know how to explain this to you, but we've never seen anything like it in our lifetime and everything about your world is about to change. And I got kind of scoffed at. And then both of those guys, like two months later, were like, I'm so sorry, you were right. You called this 100%. Yeah, you you feel like a, I was I was working at the Madhouse Comedy Club, and like one of the bartenders like was there, and I was like, oh yeah, it's, things are about to get fucking real. We're gonna have a death count of like a million. Which, by the way, you you thought I was crazy when yeah. I said a million. Yeah, <laughs> vindicated. But I said I like, believe oh, yeah. I said a, I, I believe I was talking about the first year or two. But you are right that it was even then it was higher than I thought it would be. I was like, yeah. So I was like, hey, uh, yeah, about a million Americans are about to die. Uh, things are gonna get crazy. We're gonna be shut down. And like she thought again, thought I was crazy. But then like uh, like a year later, she's like, uh, "You ever need to listen to this really smart guy? He predicted COVID when nobody else did." <laughs> I was like, "I'm riding this fat podcast coattails. I love it." Uh, so in this case, we're going to be talking about a drug we t- we've talked a lot about. We've talked about it since its development, actually, some of its early developments in the you know twenty teens up through uh, you know I think the the drug itself was actually you know finalized in in twenty seventeen and then uh, repurposed in twenty twenty one. But it's called semaglutide, and you have probably already started hearing about it. Again, we have covered it a bunch on this show. It was originally a diabetes medication that was very, very successful, and diabetes patients started noticing that they were losing weight. Researchers upped the dose of it a little bit and started doing weight loss trials, and it has basically changed the game. Now, we called this when the results came out in 2021 of the weight loss trials. We called that this is going to be one of those things that change shit. Not quite like COVID, but in the same vein, this will change everything. Possibly change everything forever. It's going to change menus at restaurants. There's no, like, there's no, gonna, there's no more like, I'll just have the salad. There's no more. <laughs> well, or there is because it, it works in, in terms of having, helping you curb your appetite. And it's administered as a weekly shot. Again, came out in 2017 only as a diabetes medication and then eventually was reapproved by the FDA for weight loss in 2021. And we we reported on the huge story about its weight loss because it, I mean, listen, there are plenty of drugs that will cause weight loss. Amphetamines, there are plenty of things that will cause. Cocaine. Cocaine, yes. (laughs) This is one of the few that are non-narcotic. And not only that, nothing causes this much weight loss except for surgery. This is the only, literally the only non-surgical option that is even close. I lost a lot of weight because of COVID. I don't know, Bobby. That's That's true. (laughs) We were seeing an average body weight reduction of 15% in obese populations. Some of the versions of the drug showed that in periods as low as 12 weeks. Damien, that means somebody like you or me might be losing like 35 pounds in three months. That's like going to basic training. Like that's, that's like, that's like going, that's like, hey, I guess that's like going to boot camp. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. And and there, this is not many of these, there's mixed trials. So there's different ones done, but many of them are done with explicit instructions not to change any of your daily activities. So it's just the normal stuff. Even more interesting, there's an even more effective drug coming around. Terzapatide. So terzapatide doesn't just target the GLP-1 receptor, which semitude does. It, it also mimics another hormone involved in insulin secretion known as glucose-dependent insulotropic polypeptide, or GIP. It was approved in 2022 for type 2 diabetes, and this treatment developed by Eli Lilly led to a 21% drop in body weight on average. Again, that means that every per- any person who lost only 11%, somebody else lost 31 
1%, the highest dose compared with, you know, 3% for placebos. Very, very, very interesting stuff. So we are upping our games each time. So when semaglutide came out, we talked about this last year, this is going to be a game changer. This will change the way we live and the way, you know, our, our society looks as individuals. However, something to be, like, some of these shots cost, they're weekly shots. So automatically it takes out people like me who are, who hate needles like that's already out of the, the game but then two is these shots can cost upwards of a thousand dollars per shot uh, and uh you know even the cheap stuff it's something like fifteen hundred dollars a month and insurance right now is not covering it which is dumb by the way because obesity is such a problem if you did cover it you would probably end up saving a ton of money in the end as an insurance company but absolutely crazy and we talked about this last year about what a game changer this will be and it turns out we were right in ways we couldn't possibly imagine because it became so popular that even at a thousand dollars a shot people were so desperate for its incredible effectiveness that it drained much of the supply making it actually difficult for people with diabetes to get a hold of the drug sometimes so we're actually creating supply chain problems despite the super high cost of it just because of its insane effectiveness. I mean, you could imagine if you were looking down the barrel of like type two diabetes and somebody's like, yeah, this is going to cost a lot of money. But by the way, it costs almost the same as insulin and you're going to take insulin for the rest of your life. If you get type two diabetes, you're like, yeah, make me skinny. I'll take the skinniness and the no diabetes for a fraction of the cost. But if you go off, like if I'm on it for a month and I go off, am I then eligible to like blow, blow back up? Great question. So this is fantastic. And many of the follow-up studies, I actually did backup research to answer this exact question. A lot of the follow-up studies show that many of the participants gain up to two thirds of the way back in the first year alone. Now, to be fair, those studies tended towards the people who were told not to do anything different with their life. When we see multiphasic treatment that involves uh, psychologists, nutritionists, exercise specialists, and dietitians, we see that those people tend to be able to keep that weight off for much longer, maybe indefinitely. Again, the drug hasn't been around long enough for us to, to actually know, but it seems like, yes, this is a great method for people to lose a bunch of weight. Like, Take it from me. Like it's been, I, I've lost weight before. It's harder to lose weight as you get into your late thirties. And those of you guys who've been listening long enough know, you know, two years back, I had a big medical emergency. I was essentially in some version of either a hospital bed or bedridden for the better part of six months. And I could get up and walk around for some of that, but I was, it was limited to some of that. And I gained a ton of weight and I'm still having trouble dropping. It is just difficult to get off when you get older. So like, I, I can stop gaining weight for sure, but it's really hard to get down. And for people who are willing to put in the work and willing to exercise and diet and do this stuff, but can't make it down, this might be a really good solution to get rid of that weight to baseline you so that you could then keep a healthy lifestyle. Plus the uh, only two thirds of it coming back within a year. That's not terrible. I mean, like that you could, you could you, mathematically, right. you could keep reducing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm still moving forward. I'm, there's yeah, still that's forward true. progress. That is very, very true. I mean, look, obviously we we have an obesity crisis and it's going to require more than drugs and stuff like this. But realistically, we were talking about this last year. If we get the cost down and we make this available to everybody and we figure out everything from needles to all that other shit... I mean, we could live in a world, our, our kids or grandkids could grow up in a world that doesn't have obese people. And what does that mean? What does that mean for healthcare? What does that mean for diabetes treatment? What does that mean for just being able to walk to the store instead of having to drive there because your ankles don't hurt because you're not 300 pounds? Like, 
it improves lives in so many more ways. We can say, yeah, you're not fat, but it's it's more than just being able to walk places. It's being able to participate in life. It's it's the shame that's involved with obesity. It's being able to run around with your kid. Like, if we solve obesity, we end up not necessarily solving, but improving a ton of other problems that are really just the peripheral repercussions of obesity itself. But Bobby, what about my boob weight? I believe we've actually, we discussed this on last the last time, which is it is going to be a problem with my BBW affinity. Uh, and because of that reason, uh, I intend to Martin Scarelli this medication and preserve it for only the ugly. Only the ugly are allowed to go skinny. That's it. Sometimes a good chest, though, is what pumps you up from being ugly, though. To... We don't need B-U-Ws. We need B-B-Ws. All right, thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 643, where you learned all about how we've been creeps for a while and how we were right about semi-glutide, and now people are pissed. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 644. The results of the 2020 census have been analyzed. We find that the number one complaint from the horny MILF demographic is that they're consistently lonely because nobody clicks the link. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right.